0: It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson.
1: Nick Ferguson Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports, as always. Thank you for joining us. You can find me on Twitter at Ferguson underscore 25. And as always, you can go find that network app and listen to the show anywhere you so choose, even if that means in a theater. And and speaking of theaters, let me start by saying this. Make sure if you're in a theater watching a movie, you you turn your phone off and don't vibrate. But if you want to, you want to listen to the program, stick your headphones in, don't disturb anyone. But I want to start off by, by, by saying this. We, we talked about this at uh, the bottom of the show last week when we were talking about the movie Straight Outta Compton as we were going back and reflecting on the impact of NWA politically, uh, how it socially uh, impacted the community in the Los Angeles area. But there were some concerns about this movie that more police were said to be uh, hired or were going to come out in certain er urban areas as they were preparing for what they thought was going to be some kind of fallout because of the movie. We all know the history of the group, uh, a lot of controversy associated with it. But you know what? Here's something that's not controversial. What is doing at the box office? $74 million in just five days. That's right. $74 $74 million in five days. F. Gary Gray, uh, who directed this movie. You might remember him. He directed The Italian Job and a couple of Friday movies. But uh, great for him, great for all those that are involved. But just kind of give you an idea of what this means in terms of entertainment. Because this is a biopic, a biographical movie about N.W.A. And, and I haven't seen it yet. It's all the rage. I I hear so many people talking about it. And usually, when a movie like this comes out, some people view it as being, you know, maybe just one sided racially. But even though they were a controversial group, their music crossed over. Uh, I I know a lot of guys who were not black, African American, who listened to uh, some of the lyrics of NWA. But just once again, give you an idea Fantastic Four, who, you know, I saw Fantastic Four. And I couldn't believe it. And usually when I say I can't believe it, that means something exciting happened. But this movie just was deflating. It just kind of left me sitting there like, what did I just pay my money for? But it's been in the box office for 12 days. $44 million, ladies and gentlemen. Now, there's a movie out now. Uh, it's been out there on the market for about a week. Uh, the Uncle, say the man from Uncle, $13 million in week one now this stars uh, Army Hammer and Henry Cavill yes that's right the same Henry Cavill that's going to play Superman Superman versus Batman so hopefully he can recoup a lot of uh I guess some of his fame back for uh Batman versus Superman but but those are the numbers right there straight out of Compton still kicking some butt uh Back to sports for a second. Earlier this week, the San Diego Chargers rewarded Phillip Rivers with a $65 million guaranteed contract. Now, once upon a time, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Phillip Rivers say that if the team were to move to Los Angeles, he wanted out. So the teams were considering maybe trading Phillip Rivers, a long-time quarterback who took over for Drew Brees after he got injured and moved on to New Orleans but what a difference $65 million would do 65 million reasons to go along to not make waves to say hey listen if you guys want to move to Wisconsin I will move to Wisconsin because the Brinks truck just you know you can hear the beep the beeping sound of the Brinks truck backing up to Phillips Rivers home and I, I don't understand that. Here's a quarterback with a record of four and five in the playoffs, right? Under Coach Norm Turner, we all seen how San Diego would start fast but just kind of falter at the end. But I guess they saw enough in him to uh, reward him with $65 million in guaranteed money. And might I add, he has a no trade clause, which means that what's the incentive to go out there and win games? I know people say, it's the NFL. You're playing against the likes of Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and Peyton Manning. Should he elevate his level of competition? But he's got $65 million, guaranteed. No trade clause. I'm just questioning. I had so many questions for me because for the team, they had no choice. You know, it was like Philip Rivers was the outlaw Jesse James without the mask. And the Pistols and the gang behind it. he knew he had him over a barrel. They had no choice. Their number two guy, Kelly Clements. You can go on Google and check his stats. Not a viable number two option. And that raises a, another question. How many teams in the current NFL have viable options at the number two spot? If number one goes down, they can look at that number two guy and ride him into the playoffs. Maybe ride him into the Super Bowl. I don't know. But this team, I don't think it's going to happen. The only time they get the opportunity to get to the Super Bowl or even compete for is the two guys I mentioned. No more Peyton Manning. No more Tom Brady. So maybe if that's the case, maybe they can win the division. Because in order to get to the Super Bowl, you have to win your division. But I I don't know. Uh, Later on in the program, we're going to have two-time Super Bowl champ. Dominique Hickson on the program and I know earlier there were some words that his former quarterback Eli Manning said that he thought he should be the highest paid. But it, it appears now that Eli did not utter those words, but we will still get Dominique's, you know, opinions and ideas of what it was like to be a part of football royalty. The guy Eli Manning throwing you the ball. Uh here's something else so funny about um, Eli Manning. You know, the the Manning boys, football, NFL royalty. And they always have these funny commercials that they do leading up to the season. Uh, I, I ha- if you haven't seen it, Gatorade has this new campaign with both Eli and Peyton. Hilarious, really funny. But there's one that stuck out to me. There are these two young African-American kids that go into this, I guess, a campus cafeteria like area and they're looking at the Gatorade machine and then all of a sudden both Pey- Peyton Manning and Eli walk through the door. Both kids scan the room, see both quarterbacks, but you know who the first name that they uttered? That's right. Peyton Manning. Eli's a younger brother. He has two Super Bowl rings, but it's like Rodney Dangerfield said. He gets no respect. So we're gonna talk to Dominic Hickson and And ask him, you know, is that justified? Should Eli Manning be recognized as being one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL? Because you know who Peyton Manning is, and he gets a lot of attention. But Dominique will tell us first and foremost. How much do you think your tweet is worth? There's so many people out there on social media clamoring for followers. And what I found out, too, you know, those little blue checks on the side of your your avatar was supposed to signify, you know, that you verified by Twitter. I found out that some people can actually cut and paste and put those verifications there. I was astonished as though you might be yourself and they have a way of increasing followers. not saying that you actually have those real followers that are active on your Twitter account, but I'll tell you who's Twitter account garners uh, the most money. And before I do that, let me give you a list of other individuals who have, uh, are on Twitter. Uh, Dwight Howard has 6.1 million followers. Floyd Mayweather, 6.3. Kobe Bryant, 7.2. Kevin Durant, 11.6. But the guy who's holding down Twitter, sports celebrity, holding it down, LeBron James, million people. And you know how much a tweet is worth? If you're a business and you want to market your company and and stretch your arms out and reach a a new urban market, if you will, for LeBron James to tweet out something about your company, 140K. Could you imagine that? LeBron James tweeting out something about your country. I mean, not your country, your, your company. Uh, costing you 140 that is something that's very, very interesting. But I was wondering, when we look at NFL, and we always compare NFL to NBA, and the idea is the NBA guys are more recognizable than the NFL guys because you can see their faces. And then they're 6'3", 6'6", 6'8", 254 pounds. They don't really have guys like that in the NFL. And besides, NFL players' faces are often covered. But I thought I would check. You know how much it would cost for a company who wanted Joe Flacco to tweet something out about their company? Get this: thousand dollars. Now, a thousand dollars is a lot of money, but in comparison to 140k, yes. But if you're a startup company, you don't have the capital. You might want to call Joe Flacco. He won a Super Bowl, and then work your way up to getting to uh, LeBron. LeBron James. Uh, I know earlier I was mentioning about the fact that Phillip Rivers in contract. Uh, we'll talk to Dominic Hickson. who will be coming up very shortly about Eli Manning and where he fits into the ranking of players in the NFL, but more importantly, the ranking of quarterbacks. But here's some comments from a guy who played the game, had a little controversy himself, but is hoping that he gets that nod in 2016 to go into Canton, Ohio, the Covenant. Football Gods have shined down upon him, but here's what Terrell Owens had to say about uh, The idea of going into pro football Hall of Fame
2: Again a lot of things factor into people getting into the Hall of Fame Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of character uh, Issues that a lot of people bring up in terms of really establishing, you know, whether a guy should belong there or not But it's it's not a popularity contest it's nothing of the such. I think it's based, you know, purely on, you know, what you do on the football field. And there's a number of guys when you talk about antics and uh, you, you want to dissect their character and off the field problems. Mm-hmm. You know, I know just mentioned the last week, the Internet was blowing up. My phone was blowing up. I didn't know what was going on. And everybody was telling me to keep your head up. You'll get it on. My-
1: yeah, I mean. Could you imagine after, you know, all you've done in your professional career, it is now left in the hands of 32 people sitting in the room, mulling over what you did, your contributions to the game, your contributions to your team. You know, I played against Terrell Owens, and great athlete. Uh, Say what you want to say about his off-the-field antics or whatever. I just think that when you look at pure stats – what he's done on the field, what he's meant to his team. And, yes, you know, anywhere Terrell goes, there's going to be some controversy, but that's a wide receiver position. They get the ball all the time. Have you ever met a a big-time wide receiver who didn't have a little prima donna in him? So, to me, I like to judge him based upon what he did on the gridiron. And I tell you what, I know one person who would vote for him, D'Angelo Hall, if you go back to those games when Terrell faced D'Angelo Hall, there was always this, you know, uh, talk back and forth between the two. But Terrell always showed up. And, you know, my old coach, Coach George O'Leary, who coached with the UFC Knights, he always said this, go out there and play. You shouldn't have to talk. One thing for Terrell, I mean, he did back it up. He definitely did back it up. And I hope he gets the nod. Uh, maybe it may not be 2016, maybe 2017, but uh, he actually uh, earned that football tonight. Football is back Thursday night. Football slated on the, out there in the football land. Buffalo at Cleveland, and that's going to be on ESPN. Most people don't watch, I guess, the preseason because it is the preseason. I mean, I watch it somewhat, but. I really tune in on that third game of the year, but it's like, who put this together? Buffalo and Cleveland. There's nothing exciting about that at all. I mean, you hear my voice. I'm not even very enthused about the idea of Buffalo and Cleveland. I mean, Josh McCown, Johnny Menzel versus, you know, Tyrod Taylor, who now has been named the starter in that game. So I'm eager to see What Tyrod does, but it's still Buffalo and Cleveland Browns. St. Louis Rams at Tennessee. uh, That'll be on Fox. Cincinnati at Tampa Bay. Uh, Also, Dallas at San Francisco. Denver at Houston. Coach Gary Kubiak returns to his stomping grounds. Bill O'Brien. J.J. Watts. Peyton Manning. They get said to kick it off. So that is what's on... This weekend, but so much to uh, so much to talk about. Uh, there's always been this growing issue with uh, NFL players and what happened to Junior Seau definitely really propelled things into the forefront as far as the issues that some players are dealing with. And, and, I, and I say this with all sincerity, if you are dealing with something, you know, as as a as team, as a teammate, reach out to your buddy. If you know a guy that's struggling, reach out to him. Because when I came across this, and I don't want to play Debbie Downer, but I thought this deserves a couple of minutes on the the program. Uh, Longtime NFL player Eric Kramer uh, is being treated for injuries. He sustained Wednesday in an L.A. motel when he, I guess, alleged, or was being alleged that uh, it was a suicide attempt. He shot himself, but his injuries were not serious. But he is rehabbing. Uh, in a hospital right now. If you know Eric Kramer and you're out there listening, someone call him, someone try to reach out to him. I'm going to try to do it myself. I've never met him. Uh, but I think uh, when you play in the NFL, that is a brotherhood. And I think you have to reach out and reach down to help a brother out and one of are fallen. And it's good to see that he is still alive and uh, he didn't lose his life because uh, I know his wife and his kids – We'll definitely love to see him coming up after the break. Dominique Hickson, two times Super Bowl champion. You never believe what he's been doing since uh, he's retired from the NFL. Nick Ferguson, secondary perspective here on Voice America Sports. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the opposite side of this break. <laughs>
3: flagship station for sports Voice America Sports Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> internet flagship station for sports
1: Voice America Sports
0: You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson To get in the lineup for today's show please call one 346 9144 That's 1-888-346-9144 Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com now, back to the show.
1: I just wanted to mellow out for a second. This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, and I'm your host, Nick Ferguson. No, nah, get out of here. I'm not going to do that. This is Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective, and uh, before we went to break, we were talking about Terrell Owens, but I want you to listen to part two of what he said, what he really thinks about the Pro Bowl nomination. Here's what he had to say. Myself, I've told people
2: this in my my camp, and, and people that know me personally. I really could care less if I make it or not. Granted, would it be an honor? Absolutely, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame with some of the greats. Um, there's a lot of people that weigh in on the fact, oh, well, he hasn't won any Super Bowl rings, or he, so what? There's a number of guys that that, are, that 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 has done that that yellow jacket that hasn't won Super Bowl rings. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference? Because I haven't. Um, I, I think what I've done is is brought a lot of passion, um, a lot of flair to the game, especially at the receiver position, and there are a number of guys that are uh, in the uh, Hall of Fame that have had far worse, you know, off the field problem, which I haven't had, that are in the, that are in the Hall of Fame. So I don't know what the upcry or the outcry.
1: Well, that's Terrell, Terrell Owens talking about whether he gets in or not. He really doesn't care. I find that hard to believe him with that. We bring in Dominic Hickson. You can find him on Twitter at Dominic underscore Hickson. And also check out Super Bowl Fishing dot. Calm, two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver, man. You know what? It must be great to have put that in front, in front of your name, two-time <laughs> Super Bowl winner.
4: <laughs> it never gets old, Nick. It never gets old.
1: You know what? You know, talking about Terrell Owens for for a second here. You know, uh, you played the wide wide receiver position and probably looked up and watched Terrell play in his early days before you came into the league. Do you believe what he said when he's saying, you know what? I don't really care if I don't get voted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Oh, you know, it's
4: one of those deals where I, he may not care uh, or says he doesn't care, but I think his personal pride and everything else, you know, would be hurt if he didn't. Um, you know, especially from watching him play, you know, and, and how, you know, out there in the media he was and everything else. I think this would be kind of icing on the cake for him to get in the Hall of Fame. So uh, he could tell us whatever he wants to. That he doesn't care, but I'm not buying.
1: <laughs> you, you know what? I I am not buying it. I, as soon as it rolled off off of his lips, knowing his history and how flamboyant he was, and you know, in his driveway doing sit-ups while the cameras <laughs> right. on him. I mean, he, he this guy cares. He, he, he really sure. cares. I, I, you know what? I like to bring guys on a program to to talk about you know overcoming hurdles, and, and you overcame a, a couple of hurdles. On your way to one and two Super Bowls with the New York Giants, we're joined by Dominic Hickson here on Voice America Sports Secondary Perspective. You know, let's talk about the first team you were drafted out of in the fourth round by the Denver Broncos, and I mean, then you left somehow, maybe not by your own choice. You know, t- talk to us because I tell people about the Turk, and some people who are not uh, who don't work know the inner workings of football. They don't understand what the Turk is like. When you got that kind of tap on the shoulder and say, okay, it was over, what was that like for you?
4: Well, you know what? uh, Let me tell you, this is the the behind-the-scenes look at it. Me and uh, Brian Clark, uh, one of my good friends, he was on practice squad at the time, receiver. We were out at the time, and uh, he actually got a phone call from his agent saying that they were going to move him up. And I remember looking at him, and I'm like, what's wrong? And he just kind of, you know, just, you know, hey, nothing. And then I got a phone call after that, and they're saying, hey, Coach Shanahan wants to meet with you. And this was on our day off, and that's never a good thing. So it was one of those deals where, you know, my heart kind of sank. And uh, after I went into Shanahan's office, and, you know, he told me, and uh, I quote, uh, we want to give some other guys an opportunity. And, uh, you know, I guess that was a nice way of saying that, hey, you're fired, but we want to bring you back on the practice squad Uh, immediately, you know, I just began thinking, I just bought a house a month ago in Denver. I thought I was going to be home at least for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, now I'm crunching numbers to see, you know, was that my last opportunity to play in the NFL?
1: So, so you're crunching numbers. You just bought a house. I mean, yeah. what, what, happens, what happens next? I mean, we know, you know, at, at the end you went to Super Bowls, but, but how did you get to the New York Giants?
4: Man, and so, uh, I, I called my agent up and, uh, I'm, you know, and thank God too I had the agent I did, uh, Eric Metz out of, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And, uh, he called me and was like, hey, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to get picked up and even if not, you know, we're going to get you on practice squad somewhere. So, um, ended up 24 hours later, uh, getting a call, uh, from him saying that the New York Giants picked me up and, uh, believe it or not, I was actually contemplating retirement. Um, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, the situation with me and Kevin Everett, uh, with the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, that happened game one and then I get fired in game four after game four, you know, I was really, you know, I told my parents, I said, I, I think I'm gonna shut it down, you know, and, you know, just kind of move on. I can, you know, pay a house off, pay a car off. I'm already ahead of the game and already a uh, blesser. So, um, and like I said, the Giants ended up picking me up and, you know, I said, well, I'll just finish this year out and we'll see what happens. But, you know, little did I know, God had a whole other plan for me.
1: We're joined by Dominic Hickson, eight-year NFL vet and two-time Super Bowl winner here on Voice America Sports. I'm your host, Nick Ferguson, and this is Secondary Perspective. Go back for a second. You know, that Buffalo game with Everett, and, you know, if you don't know, it was a special teams play where he injured himself and pretty much was paralyzed for a period of time until they used this new technique. To kind of you know freeze his nerves and allow him to get to the hospital to get the care that he needed. In that game, knowing as though you were a part of, of that particular play, emotionally, what did that do for you? Yeah, and that's what, I mean I was just you know I was just out of it. Um, you know you never
4: want to you know uh, hurt someone else or uh, you know kind of change someone else's life for the negative. And you now that's what ended up happening. And then. At the same time, uh, you know, truth be told, the coaching staff could care less. Uh, I didn't have one coach come up to me or one, you know, anybody but, uh, uh, teammates and players on the team. You know, they asked how I was doing, but the coaching staff could care less. I had a job to do and they could care less how I was feeling at the time. So, uh, my, my head racing and, you know, not me being myself and not playing the best of my ability, uh, I understood why they, you know, released me at that time. But at the same time, I was, you know, I was more concerned about Kevin and his life than I was about, you know, my football career.
1: Now, you know, the NFL is a very physical game. We, you know, a lot of players know that when they enter into it. But you know, you're talking about a lot of situations mentally, and the game has always been saying that it was. It, you have to be mentally tough, and coaches sometimes yeah. think that they can kind of drill that in the guy by making him hit the bag several times, but. Talk about, you know, what mental toughness means to you as being a player in the NFL for like eight season.
4: Man, and, and that's the thing. A lot of people think that, uh, you know, as an NFL player, you know, you're kind of Superman. You don't go through regular life issues. And uh, I tell you, you know, whether it be from a financial standpoint or maybe, you know, your relationship uh, with your significant other, you know, whatever it is, that you're going through things that regular people go through too. And on top of that, you're asked to perform at the highest level, Uh, you know, competing, you know, every day and, you know, of course, every Sunday. And so, uh, I mean, there have been numerous, numerous instances for me uh, that I just had to deal with life as well as football. And, uh, you know, even, you know, throughout my career, uh, my mom, she uh had got uh, breast cancer. And uh, so it was one of those deals where, uh, you know, she was battling through breast cancer. So I'm trying to, you know, help support her and be there for her, and at the same time, you know, train and get ready for the season. And, uh, you know, it's stuff like that that, you know, I don't think a lot of people see necessarily or hear about, you know, because, you know, like I said, you're expected to do a job. That's what you get paid for. And, you know, if you can't do it, they'll bring someone else in who can. So uh, you just got to be focused every day. And, uh, man, I tell you, you really got really to gotta have your head on straight to, to try to, you know, be your best and do your best while dealing with life.
1: Well, you know what, that, that seems to be a lot to handle for, you know, a young man who's trying to make his way to the NFL. Like you said, I mean, there's a job that you have to do on the field, but you're dealing with a lot of off-the-field issues that could be distractions, and, and for me, I think that is the biggest thing, is how to manage that. How, how is it that your life outside of football does not filter into what you have to do on the field and not affect you mentally? where now you're making constant mistakes, where your job is now, you know, in, in jeopardy. And a lot of players don't have that that support system. We just saw, saw what happened with Alden Smith last week with San Francisco and wow, you know, yeah. he, his, his arrest. But, you know, a lot of players feel as though they don't have a, an outlet, a place to go to. And when I talked earlier before you joined the program, a former NFL quarterback Eric Kramer had, you know, suffered some gunshot wounds after a failed attempt at suicide. So, you know, mm. for, for, for you being a former player, how would you handle this if you saw a guy in the locker room who was struggling with, you know, things inside the, the, the locker room and more importantly off the field? How would you handle it?
4: You know, and, and that's one thing that I'm extremely, I was extremely blessed and fortunate that I had uh, Rob Smith in Denver, who uh, you know, helped me out with some financial things. I had a Plexico burst, a Monty tumor. Uh, you know, I had these older guys who were willing to kind of coach me up on what they did and what helped them and see if I could apply that to what I was doing. And so I tried to just pass the same thing along, And uh, especially being in New York, you know, you know, a city where you could party you know, 24-7. And you know, I used to tell the young guys, I said, the reason you're, you can go out and have fun and do all these things is because of football. So you gotta take care of business and you gotta take care of home first. And, uh, there have been numerous conversations I've had with, you know, the younger guys about, you know, family wanting money to borrow money or, you know, asking for a house and asking for different things. And so I just tried to pass what was said to me along to them. And, uh, you know, my agent, he, he told me when I first started, he said, I know there's a laundry list of things that you want to do for people. He said, but you gotta take care of home first. You gotta take care of yourself first. You don't know how long it's gonna last. And he was like, so at the end of the day, you know, just make sure you have everything that you need in life to get this huge head start before you start helping everybody else. Because uh, it's unfortunate uh, in my, my NFL career I only had uh, one friend who paid me back. And I've lost numerous friends because uh, they didn't want to pay me back. And uh, it's not the fact of the money, but it's the fact of the principle. So, like I said, I just tried to help out you know, best way I could. And, you know, just talk to him and just tell him, you know, that it's a short, short career, even though eight years sounds like a long time, you still got the rest of your life to live.
1: You're joined by Dominic Higson, two-time Super Bowl winning, an eight-year NFL vet here on Voice America Sports. You know, let's go back to, you know, your your days with the New York Giants. Uh, and Recently, it was reported that Eli Manning said he wanted to be the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He's now saying that you know, he didn't say that, uh, some words were taken out of context and it was, it wasn't reported properly. So when you look at, you know, Philip Rivers, who I just talked about $65 million guaranteed, no trade clause. When you look at the NFL quarterbacks and this so-called passing lead, where would you rank Eli Manning and should he be the highest paid quarterback in the league?
4: I mean, he's definitely, you know, he's my, he's going to be my first fantasy quarterback taken this year. Um, and now the only problem that I have, and who, you know, who knows if he said it, didn't say it, or how, you know. But it's one of those deals where I would love to see the stats saying the highest-paid player in the league. How many Super Bowls has that team won? And so, if, if, if your goal is to win Super Bowls, you probably need people around you. Wouldn't you say? Right. So, I mean, you need talent around you. You need to kind of spread the wealth to have enough weapons, you know, to, to go to a Super Bowl and to win. And so. Uh, you know, should he get, you know, is he worth that much money? Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I, as, a, as a GM, as an owner, I, I'd say absolutely. But at the same time, is that the best for our team? And are we going to have enough, you know, money to go around to have enough receivers, offensive line, running back, you know, to equip, uh, you know, our highest paid, uh, you know, quarterback, highest paid player? Uh, you know, I don't think that's possible.
1: Well, let me toss out a couple of names to you. If you had to choose right now of these quarterbacks I'm going to give to you, who you would like to be on the receiving end, who might it be? Is Aaron Rodgers, Big Ben, big brother Peyton Manning, Eli, Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan. Which of those quarterbacks would you love to be on the opposite end of reception for?
4: Man, uh, so I definitely will go with Eli and then Aaron Rodgers, number two.
1: Eli, now now sticking with Eli because I mean I, it might be a little biased here, you know. Uh, but you, <laughs> you you tell me when you talk about Eli, what is it about his ability that you think sets him apart from these other quarterbacks, and especially yeah. a guy like Aaron Rodgers?
4: Well, you know, and the thing is, I guess it's one of those deals too. I I've seen Eli's work ethic uh, personally. I've seen, you know, what we do to get ready for games and everything. So it may be a little biased, but I've seen it in person and um, it's something that he's a student of the game. And when people say that, you know, about other players, you know, I, I really don't know what they mean. But what I'm saying is that uh he's gonna be there before everybody in the morning to watch film. He's gonna go through practice, do all that, he's gonna watch film after practice, uh he watches film at home. Uh we used to have Saturday meetings after everyone left. To go over some plays, we used to do it. Uh, if we had a Sunday night game, Sunday morning the receivers and the uh, you know Eli would get together. So I know he's going to be prepared for every game. Uh, you know now whether or not you know the game goes well, the performance or anything that's another story. But as far as preparation, uh, I mean he's second to none that I've seen personally because he's not going to leave any stone unturned. And um, like I said, I didn't you know he, he made he made our job a lot easier. You know playing receiver.
1: Now, take us inside the huddle for a second because I, I've heard stories about so many quarterbacks. Some guys, when they give play calls, they don't really look guys in the eye. Uh, sometimes they don't communicate well. Uh, there, there's not this chemistry as everyone uh, believes and promotes in the locker room. But take us inside of a Giants huddle with with, with Eli. How does he handle the huddle? Uh,
4: man, it's funny. I, there are a couple of stories. uh uh, we've been in the huddle before, and a coach calls a play, and we don't have the right personnel in. And literally on the fly, Eli, uh, you know, say we're, we're in four receivers, we're supposed to be in the two tight end set, you know, bad situation, right? But, uh, Eli end up, you know, switching the play or even running the same play out of a different formation to make us successful. And that's what I'm saying. A student of the game, I mean, you would think that, uh, you know, you'd have to call a timeout or do, you know, do something like that. But on the fly and on the run, uh, he he knows what needs to get done as far as uh, lining people up and everything. There have been times that you know, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, super tired, you know. Two minute drill, you know. He calls a play and I miss the play, and then you know he'll signal the route to me because he knows I'm tired. You know, it's one of the little things like that to be on the same page that uh, you know is worth his weight in gold.
1: Now, what happens if, like you said, two minute drill, you're tired, you drop a ball, you run the wrong route? I mean, he might signal that you're tired, but, you know, Eli Eli is a competitor just like his brother. Now, has he ever had any choice words for you when you ran the wrong route or he, he knew that you were tired when you shouldn't have been tired?
4: You know what? And this is something that I can, man, I really appreciate it about Eli. And even though the spotlight was on him a lot of times and we had a lot of choice routes, so routes on the run, so... If it was cover three, you know, sometimes we'd hook up. If it was cover two, we'd have the outside release. And even so, sometimes if we weren't on the uh, uh, same page, he wouldn't throw us under the bus. I mean, it, there's maybe one or two times uh, while I played with him that I really, you know, heard him get after somebody. And it wasn't for the lack of not running the right route, but it was for the lack of preparation that during the week they were goofing off and not preparing the way they should, and that's why they ran the wrong route. And so it was one of those deals, right? You know, I appreciated that because sometimes it went the other way too. Sometimes he threw, you know, he threw where we weren't supposed to be, and you know. And so the respect went both ways.
1: There's Dominique Hickson here, two-time Super Bowl champion. He on secondary perspective. Uh, you know what? Uh, there was some adversity you had gone through in your time with the Giants, and you know, if you play the game long enough, they say, well, at some point a guy's going to run past you or he's going to run you over. And injuries are definitely part of the game. You sustained two injuries, I guess, the same injuries two different times. But talk about yeah. that injury and how you got over it. Man, so I had, uh, this was two days before we were going to break camp. Uh, it was during our
4: mini camp. And I ended up tearing my uh, right ACL uh, two days before we were going to break camp for, uh, you know, right before uh, training camp, for a couple weeks off for training camp. And I ended up tearing my ACL. Um, man, that was a time, and that was actually uh, going to be my contract year. So, of course, I wanted to, you know, have a great performance. And, uh, you know, end ended up hitting another roadblock, uh, you know, in life. But uh, at the same time, you know, I had enough people who supported me that were around me that, you know, when, you know, it's just one of those deals that you're by yourself. All of a sudden, you know, the media, they don't want to interview you anymore. Uh, you know, a lot of your, you know, your so-called friends, they stop calling you because you're not playing, so they don't need tickets. And so it was a point in time where, uh, you know, I found out, you know, who was who, and so, uh, which was a good thing. And uh, thank God I ended up coming back, uh, you know, felt just as fast, just as explosive uh, after a whole year of rehab, and I, you know, got to play, you know, two more years. And, uh, well, actually, I don't. It was, well, it was a year, and then I ended up, excuse me, then I ended up tearing it again uh, when me and Cruz were battling at the time. It was for the third wide receiver spot. I ended up tearing it on a Monday night football against the Rams on the touchdown catch. And, uh yeah, so here we go again. So now it's number two. And so now it's a point in time where I think that, you know, is anybody going to give me opportunities for, you know, a guy who tears ACL twice? Uh, are they going to give me an opportunity to play again? And, you know, the Giants, you know, I was blessed to be there because they did just that. They gave me another opportunity. So I had an opportunity to come back and be the third receiver next year. But, uh, something that's consistent, I think, in everyone's NFL career, just, you know, life in general, you're going to get knocked down. And it's, you know, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to stay down, you're going to get back up type of deal. And, uh, know, I just encourage anybody out there who's dealing with something that, you know, just continue to get up, continue to fight. Because if I'd have gave up, you know, after my, uh, uh, situation in Denver, you know, I, I'd have been, you know, who knows doing what, but I definitely wouldn't have had the fun going to the two Super Bowls, winning two Super Bowls, meeting a lot of great friends, making great friends, uh, being in, a, you know, one of the greatest cities, you know, in the world, New York. Uh, so, you know, when you get knocked down, you got to get back up. got to. Just, just keep fighting because your biggest blessing may just be around the corner.
1: Well, Dominic, we're up against a break uh... Uh, I want you to stay on the line with us because I love everything that you're saying. I think our listeners need to hear it. Uh, We're going to go to this quick break, and we'll be right back with two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver from New York Giants, Dominic Hickson, on the opposite side of this break.
3: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds
0: you're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call one 346 9144 That's one 346 9144 Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Get yeah, it's week two of NFL action, some uh, top games, especially tonight. Slate on the calendar, Buffalo at Cleveland. I hope you are very enthused, as I am, about that Buffalo-Cleveland game. But other games to watch, Detroit at Washington, and we'll see if the recently gagged RG3 can actually go out there and show he can be a top quarterback instead of talking about it. And also, New England at New Orleans. We have to see what Tom Brady's going to do and what should be, I guess, his, I want to say debut, but we should see more action for Tom Brady uh, this weekend against the New Orleans Saints, and we all know about the ongoing issue, which is the gate and how much money it's costing, and I'm just over it. Can, can't you tell from my hangover right now of the gate? <laughs> also, San Diego at Arizona, Seattle at Kansas City, Denver Broncos at Houston. Those are the games that we have for this weekend. And speaking of Carolina uh, Panthers, uh, uh, you were with the Panthers. You were with, them with Cam Newton, Calvin Benjamin, big wide receiver with a catch radius. I mean, a guy to go to in the red zone area, Practice against the Dolphins, went down, no contact, ACL injury. He's out for the season. Something you, Dominique Hickson, I'm talking to, two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver from the New York Giants. You went through that same injury twice. If from nothing. Yeah. You just told yeah. So 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 what is it that Calvin Benjamin is going to have to deal with on his road to recovery if he's going to regain any of his old form? Man, I you know,
4: the biggest thing, you know, he needs to do now if I could give him any advice is take his time. Uh, you know, the competitive nature, you want to go ahead and hurry up and get surgery, hurry up and, you know, but just take your time. Uh you know, Dr. Andrews, uh, down here in Gulf Breeze, you know, I definitely will come down and see him and, uh, you know, talk to him and, and then see what he would say. Um, you know, that, that's definitely, uh, who's gonna do the surgery issues. Uh, do, doing a patella tendon graft, uh, for the viewers out there, for the listeners, uh, they take the middle of your patella tendon and you wrap it, uh, to make a new ACL, uh, is extremely painful. Uh, it's one of those deals where not only, does your ACL have to heal? But now they just cut into your patella tendon. That has to heal as well. And so uh, it's definitely going to be, you know, minimum of eight, eight-month process. But uh, he just got to take his time because, you know, he, he's young enough. He can definitely bounce back. Uh, one thing he won't be is a step slower. Uh, he'll still be explosive, and he can definitely, uh, you know, still be a great receiver and still have a Hall of Fame career that he was on track of having. Because uh, the ACL is different from what it used to be back in the day.
1: Well, you know, what? when I, when, I, when he went down, I know people were talking about, well, the fantasy leagues and how it's going to affect, you know, the fantasy points. And I was thinking, well, this guy just went down with an ACL injury. And all we can talk about is fantasy owners and how that's going to affect them. And my immediate attention went to, you know, his well-being as a player and his ability to bounce back. You said that the road is going to be tough, uh, but he can bounce back. He will not miss any many, much of his speed, but... When I looked at their roster and I said, well, you compare it last year. We're talking about a Carolina team that went 7-8-1 and one, and the NFC South, which was, you know, by all stretches of imagination, that, that's an awful record. But they were able to get into the playoffs and beat Arizona right. in the first round of the playoffs. But looking at their roster, and I have it here in front of me. You got Greg Olson and Ed Dixon at the tight end position. You got Ted Ginn Jr., Britton Burson at the wide receivers, along with Jericho Cottry and Devin Futchins, uh, the big receiver from Michigan, who the same day injured his hamstring. So when I look at this and knowing that Calvin Benjamin was a big target in the red zone, where's Cam Newton going to get the offense from?
4: Man, you know, uh, it's one of those deals where you'd have never heard about uh, uh, Tom Brady if Drew Bledsoe wouldn't have went down. And so this gives the guys who are behind them an opportunity, uh, you know, even, you know, if it's due to an injury, it gives them an opportunity to go ahead and, you know, and step up. And uh, one of the young guys who's on there, uh, Burson, uh, look out for him. Uh, great hand-eye coordination, great work ethic. Uh, and just a great young man. And he, he, gets the, he gets the whole part of, you know, football comes first before anything as far as uh, uh, priority-wise. And so look, look for him to step up. I about to say I know uh, he came down and fished with me last year in uh, Pensacola, and me and him talked, and uh, he has his head on right. And so I think you know number eleven. I think he's going to step up and you know do well for him.
1: Well, you know I know the idea is that maybe they may trade for a wide receiver, but to me, I don't see any team out there willing to trade one of their top wide receivers for you know to, to Carolina for any picks, whether it's uh, you know the twenty sixteen draft or twenty seventeen. At best, maybe they get the team's number two and number three, but that still doesn't mean they they would get that same level of Calvin Benjamin type of production. But when I looked at the list of the available wide receivers with either Super Bowl experience or starting experience, but, you know, here's the list. Wes Walker, 34. Reggie Wayne, 36. Donnie Avery, 31. Brad Smith, 31. Brandon Lloyd, Santana Moss, Robert Meacham. And the young kid from South Carolina who just released – by Jacksonville, Ace Sanders. Uh, he's twenty-three, but they're looking for playmakers. And, and I don't know if any of these guys I just named off can come in and give you that same level of production. And with you playing the position and knowing it inside and out better than I do, do you think any one of these guys? And if so, which guy?
4: Oh, you know, that's that's a great question. I mean, it's one of those deals where. I don't think you're going to necessarily find one guy to come in in the middle of training camp to replace them. I think that's, you know, I think it'd be unfair to ask that. Now, what I think could happen is, uh, you know, Jericho, uh, Ted, and uh, Burson is one of those deals where they all fill in and step up to kind of fill that void. And that's the thing with Carolina, especially with their uh, run game. And, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where I think they could supplement some other things and to try to, to try to find and make big plays. I mean, Ted, he's probably one, he's probably one of the fastest guys in the league and uh, definitely has big playability every time he touches the ball. So maybe you try to get him some more touches. Maybe, you know, you got some more razzle-dazzle plays, uh, you know, in the playbook, but make no, make no mistake about it, trying to replace Benjamin is going to be a tough task.
1: We're talking to Dominic Hickson, two-time Super Bowl winning wide receiver New York Giants. You can follow him on Twitter at Dominic underscore uh, Hickson. You know, I want to talk really quickly about your coach. I had a, a coach that was really tough in Georgia Leary. And you had another similar type coach with Tom Coughlin. And every year his job seems to be in jeopardy. <clears throat> talk to us a little bit about the mentality of a coach like Tom Coughlin.
4: Man, I mean, he's just, oh, just, just focus. You know, it's one of those deals. He, he doesn't let it rattle him, you know, whether he's, you know, uh, up by up by touchdown, down by touchdown. He's just focused, and I think the teams that he has had that he has had has followed that same mentality. And uh, you know, you're in New York. You know, you've won two Super Bowls, so now you're supposed to win the Super Bowl every year, which is a great expectation to have because you know it's well deserved. But uh, he's focused, man. He has a game plan going in, and you know, people have asked me, "Oh, would you think he's on the hot seat?" And all uh, you know and. For us, on the outside looking in, yes, but uh, who knows what the conversation behind the scenes are going on, uh, you know, with the owners and coaches and stuff, because, uh, I mean, he's one heck of a coach, and like I said, he he has really built, uh, you know, continues to build the New York Giants to to a great franchise with great fans, and uh, it's one of those deals where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think every year that... uh, his job was on the line. He won the Super Bowl. So maybe they're just putting that in the headlines just because of track record.
1: Well, they can say what he wants, but I know he has two shiny Super Bowl rings <laughs> put in anyone's face who, has, who wants to criticize him. But you know what? Um, I want to talk to you before we get out of here about what you're doing with the fishing. I know you have. It's SuperBowlFishing.com. Uh, go, definitely go check that out. Uh, talk to us about you know how did you go from the gridiron to in that ocean in Pensacola. How that
4: <laughs> so uh, man, I mean I got into boating, I got into fishing, uh since I was a, a young man and uh man just kinda said, you know, well what what can I do with it? You know, something I'm passionate about, something that's very competitive. And uh, you know, I went on a charter years back and I said, you know what, I'm gonna be a charter captain. So went and got my captain's license and uh had a ton of Ton of friends in Pensacola really helped me out getting everything started. But, uh, pretty much, I mean, we take people out. And we do everything from, you know, overnight fishing, uh, tuna fishing to, you know, inshore, uh, redfish, uh, fishing. So, this is something that I really enjoy and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, continues to go on. And, uh, my buddy, uh, Paul Baker from, uh, Five Star Bait, I, I commercial fish with him. And, uh, we do some shrimping and some different things like that. So, uh yeah, Nick. When you come to visit me, man, we're gonna make sure you have you know a little bit of everything when you come to eat too, and uh, fresh. Everything right, will be fresh for you.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that. I I'll, I'll come down, but I need to see the the the, the shore. I need to see the shoreline. <laughs> I mean, when you go out too far and you can't see the shoreline, I have an issue with that. And I had a bad bad experience on a boat with my with my wife one time. Where I we were we were on this catamaran and we were going out and I've been on boats before never had any never been seasick before but unfortunately for for me well not for me but the guy sitting behind <laughs> me which I didn't know I mean he he, he got all my breakfast that morning which uh, you know I, I apologized to him profusely I didn't know I was going to get sick but the idea of trying to get me on another boat with the possibility of that occurring I don't know I, I don't know you can try but I don't know. Oh.
4: But you know, and, and I tell people I said, uh, you know, I had I had a gentleman last year, he wanted to go out uh uh tuna fishing, one of my friends. And I said, Well yeah, we can just pick the right day and go. And uh sure enough, we picked the perfect day and there was more bumps uh out there on the California roads than it was in the ocean that day. And then we had a blast, caught some fish and you know, you just gotta pick and choose, you know. But now when we go commercial fishing, uh you know, I don't think we, you don't really have a choice. So we'll make sure it's not a commercial trip for you.
1: Well, we'll, make, we'll, 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 we'll see. I talked to my wife about it. She, she's a little excited, but we'll see. But as always, man, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for joining us. Th- go check out Dominique Hickson, Dominique underscore Hickson, and check out superbowlfishing.com. Hicks, man, thanks uh, for joining the program, and I'm proud of all your accomplishments, even though, You have two shiny. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I
4: appreciate you.
1: Appreciate you having me on, man. All right. Thank you for my three amigos here at the Pavilion. Justin on the board. It is Secondary Perspective. Week two NFL season kicks off. See you back here next week. Same time.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week.